I'm really excited to be continuing with our preach series and today I'm going to be focusing on the wise men and specifically the journey that they took. Now over the last couple of months I've had a newfound appreciation for the art of travelling long distances and I'm going to unpack that a little bit more today. But to start with I just want to read out to you the biblical account and the, the first time we hear of the wise men. So I'm going to be reading from Matthew chapter 2 verse 1 to 12 and it says this. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where has been the one born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and we have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all of the chief priests and the teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. And they go on there to tell a little bit more about that prophecy. We pick it back up in verse seven. It says, then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star that they had seen when it rose went ahead of them. How amazing is that? And it says it went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. I think this is an absolutely amazing story here of the wise men. And we don't know a huge amount about these people called the Magi because the the Bible doesn't give us a huge amount of information. It gives us a couple of key details there. It says, first of all, that they travelled from the east. So we know that about them. It says that they brought those three gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. But other than that, we don't know a huge amount about them. We have to fill in a couple of the blanks. Now, in the ancient world, Magi, they were, they were known as a form of priests, uh, but they were also known as royal advisors as well. So they were people who would give advice to kings and queens and, and people in power. But they were also known as people who were astrologers. So they were able to look at the stars and they were able to decipher certain things. And they were also known for interpreting dreams as well. So these were pretty interesting people and uh, some good people to be around. And the Bible refers to them as magi, but as some of us will know through some of the, uh, the traditional carols that we sing, they're also known as wise men. And that's simply because they were pretty wise people. They were advisors to the royal court. Now, as I said, we have to fill out a couple of blanks about the wise men because the Bible says they came from the east, but it doesn't say specifically where they came from. And some scholars believe that they may have travelled from Babylon. 
Now, Babylon, in those sort of times, the journey that the wise men would have taken, it would have been approximately between 400 and 600 miles. But as I say, we don't know specifically where they started from. And back in those days, it would have taken quite a while to, to travel that amount of distance. And if, if they travelled on camels, it could have taken a couple of weeks to do that journey. But again, we don't know if they had camels. So if they walked, it could have taken more like a month. Now that is a pretty epic journey. But I don't know if you've ever thought about it in this way as well, because the Bible says that the wise men were guided by the star. Now, for all we know, the wise men may have only been able to see the star at night. So that means they may have to have travelled at night. And as a result, that potentially may have taken even longer than travelling by day. Now, I think this account's really interesting because we see here that the wise men, they are 100% committed to finding Jesus. They've travelled these hundreds of miles and then they get to the palace. And we see here a complete different attitude from that of the wise men and that of King Herod. Because the journey that it would have taken for the wise men to have travelled from Jerusalem to Bethlehem, it would have only been a journey of about six miles. So in, in the grand scheme of the journey that they've just taken, it's a relatively short period to, uh, to travel. But what we see here is the wise men, they are committed to going the full length of the journey. But King Herod, he has a different attitude altogether. He's quite happy to sit back in his palace and to send the wise men and says to them, look, you go find him when you've found exactly where he is, then come back and come and get me. And it's not only King Herod who has this attitude, because we see here that King Herod, that he also gathers together some key people. He gathers together the chief priests and the teachers of the law as well. And even they are not prepared to go on this short journey of six miles. And as I said, over the last few months, I've had a newfound appreciation for the art of travel. And I don't know if any of you have ever been on a really long journey. I just want you to have a think for a moment. What's the longest journey that you've ever been on? For some of you, if you've flown a long distance, you may have travelled across different time zones. And as a result of that, your body clock gets thrown out and you end up having jet lag. Well, this year, because of COVID, we, uh, we, we decided to have a staycation. And that's where you go on holiday somewhere in the UK. And me and Becky, we'd never been to the city of Bristol before. So we thought, you know what, let's go. Let's go and uh, see what the city's got to offer. And me and Beck, we love a good museum. We just love the knowledge, we love finding out about history and about all the different things you can find. And we went to a couple of different museums while we were in Bristol. 
And uh, the first one that we went to, uh, it was the the Brunel Museum. And if you've never heard of who the, the Brunel family are, they are known for a good number of inventions and uh, quite a few different achievements. Uh, but the one specifically that was being celebrated at this museum was that of the SS Great Britain. And uh, we've, we've got a, a picture here to show you of uh, of me proudly standing uh, on the uh, on the helm of the SS Great Britain, but this was the longest passenger steamship in the world from 1845 to 1854, and you could travel you could travel on the SS Great Britain from Liverpool to New York, and 45 passengers could could travel on this steamship. And it would take you a total of 14 days. Let me just say that again. 14 days to get from Liverpool to New York. And in those days, that was a relatively quick uh, journey to, uh, to travel uh, across the ocean. Now, for us today, and especially for me, that, that's a pretty long time. And it would have taken some preparation to go on that journey. You wouldn't just rock up on that boat. And we got to see going round the boat and going down into the hull of it. Some of the different things that people would pack. And they had these massive boxes, these massive crates that they would put everything in there that they'd need for the journey. There'd be clothes, there'd be entertainment. And if you were wealthy, you might even take your own horse on the boat. And I was just blown away by the, the amount of preparation that would have taken to go on that journey. And to go on that journey, you would have had to have been 100% committed. You wouldn't have just got on that boat and sort of been kind of half, half kind of fussed about it. You would have had to have been 100% committed. Now, while we were in Bristol, we went to another museum, and I must admit, this, this was my choice, but we went to the Bristol Aerospace Museum, and uh, I love anything that goes fast, and in there, there were lots of really interesting planes. Uh, but there was one in specific that was being celebrated in this museum, and it was of Concorde. And I've got another picture here for you of the plane Concorde. And I don't know if any of you ever got to go on Concorde while it was in service, but it was an absolute incredible feat of engineering. Concorde uh, travelled at twice the speed of sound. So this was Mach 2, which is about 1,350 miles per hour, which is just incredibly flat, fast. And Concorde did a very similar journey to the SS Great Britain. It flew from uh, from London to New York, New York to London, and it did that flight, the quickest that it ever did it in, was two hours, 52 minutes and 59 seconds. And obviously that 59 seconds is, is really important. But that is just an incredible speed. When you even compare it to today's commercial airliners, the planes that we go on holiday today, they travel at around 600 miles an hour. So it's literally half the speed and takes twice as long to do the same journey. And the reason why I'm telling you about SS Great Britain and the reason why I'm telling you about Concorde is because traveling on those two modes of transport took two completely different 
types of mindsets. So the thing with Concorde is because the flights were so short and because the plane could fly so quick, the stewards and the stewardesses had to work really fast. So as soon as the aircraft got to altitude, they had a short period of time to quickly run up and down with their trolleys and serve the food. And it was a really, really quick flight. And when you compare that to SS Great Britain, where it's like a really long journey, they would have taken two completely different mindsets. And the reason why I'm telling you about these modes of transport, because I think we can pull out some similarities with our Christian walk and with our spiritual journey that we go on. Because when we give our lives to Christ, we commit our entire lives to Christ. We're not just saying, I'm going to give a short period to of my life to God. What we're saying is, I want to give God, I want to give you my entire life. I want to commit to the long run. And the thing about our walk and our faith with Jesus is that we commit to both the seen and the unforeseen circumstances. We're committing to the good times and potentially some of the hard times that we may have ahead of us. And just like the wise men, we have to be committed to this journey. We have to keep following Jesus. We have to keep following, metaphorically, that star. And when we compare that attitude to that of King Herod, we see that actually King Herod, he got really quite comfortable in his palace. He was quite happy to sit back, to be reclining, to be enjoying all the benefits of the palace and to no longer journey, to no longer pursue God in that way. And today I want us to learn some of those lessons from the wise men and some of the ways that they stay committed to walking and going on that journey and that pursuit of Jesus. So my second point this morning is this, follow the star. Now, for some of you watching this today, you've probably always grown up with having the technology of a sat-nav in your life. But for some of us who are listening to this today, we grew up before the days of sat-navs. And I just want you to cast your, uh, your minds back and think, what was it like in the days before sat-navs? I'll give you a moment to think about that, because when I remember the days before sat-navs, they weren't great, if I'm being honest. Now, for many of us in our cars, we would have had an A to Z atlas of the whole of Great Britain where you could plan out all of your journeys. Many of my memories growing up, specifically when we went on holiday, was quite often arguments taking place in the car as one person trying to navigate while the other person's trying to drive and find to where you're going. But another thing that we just don't do anymore that we used to do back in those days, and you may have some memories of this yourself, of stopping the car and asking a complete stranger for directions. That never ended well. They were always far too long, far too complicated, with too many left and right turns to ever try and remember. <laughs> but when I read the story of the wise men, I see, see something a little bit similar going on of getting a little bit lost on the journey. Because I don't know if you've ever done this, but have you ever put a postcode into your sat-nav and then it's taken you to the wrong place? 
Now, this happens if you try and put in the church postcode. And the reason for this is because the church is on such a big, long road, unless you're specific and put in a house number, the actual postcode can take you to the wrong place. And we see here in this biblical account that the wise men do something a little bit similar because they follow the star so far and then they, I think they make some conclusions. They know that they're looking for a newborn king and the logical place for a newborn king would be in a palace. And I think they might have tried to put the pieces together and said, well, the stars kind of led us this far. So let's now stop at the palace and let's at least ask here because this is the logical place to find a king. But as we know from the biblical account, Jesus was not in the palace. And in verse two, we see it says, we saw his star when it rose and we have come to worship him. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought a little bit about what it must have been like to be led by a star. I think it's sometimes hard enough following signs on the motorway, never mind trying to follow a light in the sky. But scientists and astrologers have a few different theories of potentially what the wise men may have seen. And I found this quite interesting, and I think you might uh, as well. And the first theory is that they may have seen a planetary conjunction now, I had to find out exactly what this is. The, the, the technical definition is this. A, conjun a conjunction occurs when any two astronomical objects, such as asteroids, moons, planets and stars, appear to be close together in the sky as observed by Earth. And I've actually got an image here for you of a planetary conjunction. And this particular picture is of the moon. And the moon is shining alongside both Venus and Jupiter, those two planets. And as you can see, when they line up in this particular way, when they shine in this sky, it's almost like they're pointing out the way. It's almost like an arrow to follow. So that's one theory of maybe what the wise man saw. Another theory is that they may have seen a supernova. And a supernova is a large explosion that takes the place at the end of a star's life cycle. And we've got a, another image here for you. And this was taken by the Hubble telescope. And as you can see there, as the star literally explodes, it causes it to shine brightly in the sky. And as you can imagine, this would have been something new in the sky that the wise men may have seen. But finally, one of the ways or one of the things that the wise men could have seen is a supernatural miracle. And this is my this is my favourite theory, because we see in the Old Testament, uh, when we read about the account of Moses, we see that when he is in the desert with the Israelite people, that actually they are guided by God through a pillar of fire. So we see throughout the Bible, there is a history of God causing supernatural events to happen to cause his, uh, to give a way for his people to follow him. And you know what? I think it is exactly the same for us in our lives today. 
just as the wise men were guided, I believe we too are guided in our lives. Now, it might not happen through a star in the sky, but I believe that the Holy Spirit can lead us and can prompt us and can direct us in our lives. And we see in verse 9, it says, after they'd heard the, uh, from the king, they went on their way. And this is what's really interesting. It says the star that they had seen when it rose, it went ahead of them. So the star wasn't stationary. It says it actually went ahead of them. And then it stopped over the place where the child was, which I think is absolutely incredible. But the wise men, they, they had to stay on course they couldn't deviate. If they stopped for any period of time, you know, the star could have gone ahead without them. You know, they, it would have been a, probably a pretty good temptation to stop in the palace and to hang out with the king. But we see they kept moving. And the reason why I've entitled this message, The Journey of a Lifetime, is because unlike the wise men where they took this journey over potentially this, the, the, sp- the span of a couple of weeks, the journey that we take with Jesus lasts a lifetime and it actually goes on into eternity. And it's really important that we keep our eyes on Jesus, that actually we keep being guided and listening to the Holy Spirit and being teachable in our lives. And it's really important that we don't get distracted and we don't go off course. And it's always been one of my dreams to go to America. I love American muscle cars. And last year we got the opportunity to do that. And to go on that trip, we want, I wanted to go on a road trip. And to do that, it took planning and it took preparation. We had to decide where we wanted to start, where we wanted to stop. We had to decide the sites that we wanted to see. We had to book flights. We had to book hotels. We had to pack. We had to save. It didn't just happen. Some preparation had to go in that journey. And actually, I think it's similar with our spiritual walk. There are things that we can do, there are things that we can plan, there are things that we can put in place that are going to help us on our journey in the long run. And one of my personal goals in life is that I want to be a centen- I can't even say this sometimes, a centenarian, and that is somebody who lives to 100 years old. Now, I bet a few of you are thinking, well, Rob, you know, there's quite a few things that are out of your control. There's quite a few variables that uh, that, <laughs> that sort of affect the, uh, the length of your life. And you know what? I agree with that. But there are also things that I can do to try and extend my life as long as possible. So, you know, on a daily basis, there are things that I can do. So I have control over my diet. I have control over what I eat and I can try and eat healthy things and then nourish my body. I can exercise and I can try and do things that are going to look after my body. I can exercise. I can have a positive mindset so I can have the attitude of, I'm going to make it to 100. I'm going to get a letter from the, from the king or from the queen. But there are things that we can do that are going to impact us in the long run. And we can make those small little changes on a daily basis that add up over our lives. And you know what? It is exactly the same in our spiritual lives as well. There are things that you can do that are going to help you in having those daily connections with Jesus. And just like the wise men, they had to keep their eyes on the star. And in the same way, we have to keep our eyes on Jesus. 
And you know what? There are so many things that we can do through opening the Bible on a daily basis. It helps us stay connected. It helps us keep focused. As a church, we have different Bible plans that we do throughout the year that you can follow that are going to help you. We can spend time worshipping God and just being intimate with him, just having that time and being intimate and connecting with him. We can spend time praying, whether that's going out for a walk, whether that's sitting quietly at home, coming along to the prayer events that we have in church. Doing these things help us connect with God. You know, you can listen to podcasts, you can read some great books, you know, meditate on those things. Put these things into your life on a daily basis to help you stay connected to Jesus. By coming to church, it helps keep you pointed in the right direction. By attending a small group, it helps It helps encourage you and it just helps you on that journey. It helps keep you connected. And our journey, it's not short like Concord. It happens over a long period of time and it takes that mindset. And in Hebrews 12, chapter one, I love what the Apostle Paul says. And he he describes our journey being a race. And he says this in Hebrews 12, one. And it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. The journey and the race that we're on, it is an endurance race. It's not a hundred yard or a hundred metre sprint. It's something that takes a lifetime. And the apostle warns that there are things on that race, there are things on that journey that can weigh us down. There is the distractions of life. He talks there about the sin that easily entangles, the sin in our lives that can trip us up if we're not careful. But the thing is, when we have that daily connection with God, it helps us keep our eyes on him. It gives us the strength to lead us from temptation and the Holy Spirit produces that gift and that fruit of self-control in our lives. And that's why it's so important we keep journeying, that we don't stop, we don't get complacent and we don't just sit back and relax. My third and final point today as we sort of conclude is this, finding your destination. In verse 10, it says, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. They bowed down and they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. I love the fact that it says that the wise men, they were overjoyed in finding Jesus. And they literally, they bowed down and they worshipped him. And like the wise men, we too have something to celebrate in our lives. We celebrate the fact that Jesus, he was willing to come to earth, that he died on the cross so that we could receive forgiveness for all of the things that we've ever got wrong. We get forgiveness for the sin in our lives and all we have to do is accept Jesus and repent and ask for forgiveness of those things and by doing that we get something amazing in return we inherit eternal life and also we see our lives transformed here on earth something changes in the here and now 
And we go from lost and having no purpose to finding our purpose in our lives. And just like the wise men, this is something to be overjoyed about. And it gives us reason to worship Jesus, to worship him for all the good things that he has done in our lives. And as we come to a close and as we conclude, I just want to start getting you to think about this and get you to think about what is the destination in your life? Where is it that you're heading? Where is it that you are going to end up? When you get to the end of your life and you look back, what do you want it to look like? And our destination, it is no different than that of the wise men. We are all searching, we are all pursuing Jesus. And it is our purpose to, to seek his will, to seek the kingdom of God. And just like the wise men, we do something different. When we find Jesus, it doesn't stop there, but actually we keep following him and we keep finding our purpose in him. And when we find Jesus, we're not to keep it to ourselves. We have the privilege of sharing that good news of Jesus with others because we then become a star. We become a light in other people's lives. We have the privilege of pointing Jesus out to people. We get to see heaven come to earth and we get to be carriers of God's power here on earth and that is so exciting and it's something that should fire you up and actually if you've never found Jesus today you have that opportunity to receive him for yourself as your saviour and I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray for that at the end and just like the wise men we we come before Jesus overjoyed and we have the opportunity to present our lives to him and today is an opportunity for you to take stock of your lives. Are there areas that you need to lay down at the foot of Jesus? Are there things that you need to change in your life? Are there areas where you've gone off track, where you've been distracted by the busyness of life? Have you found maybe that you've become a little bit comfortable, you've become a little bit complacent, a little bit like King Herod, and actually you're not in a place where you're actually pursuing Jesus anymore. Well, today is an opportunity to take stock and to recommit yourself to Jesus and continue on this journey of a lifetime. So as I said, if you've never received Jesus before, I want to give you that opportunity right now. And you can very simply just say this prayer after me. Jesus, I want to thank you for dying on the cross for me. Today, I choose to repent from my wrongdoing and the sin in my life. Jesus, would you forgive me for where I have gone wrong? Today, I choose to follow you for the rest of my life. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, you've got a little button that you can click on church online and we'd love to connect with you and to go on that journey with you uh, but for the rest of you I, I want to wish you a, a very happy Christmas and as we come to an end of this year of 2020 I just want to read I just want to leave you with this scripture and it's from Judges 18 verse 5 to 6 and it says this then they asked ask sorry then they said ask God whether or not our journey will be successful. And the response is this, 
Go in peace, the priest replied, for the Lord is watching over your journey. And my prayer for you this Christmas is that you would have a peaceful Christmas period and that we would go into the new year strengthened and encouraged and excited for everything that is ahead of us. 